Hello and welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I am your host Ben Kreider and today I'm going to be talking about the Thunder Spurs game. A lot of big moments from the game. We got SGA going off and Lou Dort hitting one of the clutchest shots of his career. Probably the clutchest shot of his career. Also, there was a blue game from yesterday as well, so I'm going to be giving a quick recap of that game too. I think just starting out with the G League one, I'm going to keep this one kind of short and sweet because I know that a lot of you guys probably want to hear about the game of the year that we saw with the Thunder yesterday, but G League game still happened. I always cover these. Maybe this is more of like a website exclusive thing because I do always do recaps on Thunder games on Blue Games, on my blog, KyleSingler4MVP.com. I know the domain sounds stupid. I'm thinking about getting another domain, so don't worry about that. But anyways, that's where you'd find this entire game recap. Go through all four quarters, all the leading scorers. Just going to keep it at this, though. Blue, their win streak, it's gone. Six games of just nonstop victories. Super fun talking about it. No, lost. They ended up losing by two points to the Greensboro Swarm. They were up a lot. They coughed up a gigantic double-digit lead. I think they were up double digits in, like, the third quarter or something crazy. But then the Swarm just got on fire. They had a lot of guards just going out of their minds. I think some that you may know, Kobe Simmons, he was pretty solid. I believe he had, yeah, he had 15 points. Ray McCallum, if you guys ever played 2K, this guy went off. He had 15 points coming off the bench, and they had a lot of threes going in for them as well, including their biggest shot that put them up too. They ended up misfiring on the first. Their center, Nick Richards, he corralled it, kicked it back out to Grant Ryler, and he buried a three. Blue, they had a lot of chances to end the game late like they just had a ton of offensive fouls I believe the last play was a Pokachevsky to Moses Brown alley-oop attempt there was just 0.5 seconds to go though and he threw it too high so Moses Brown he barely got a fingertip on it but come on when you're doing an alley-oop it's eight feet from the basket and you know Moses Brown's getting covered by a seven foot center I don't really know how you're gonna get it off it was a little bit of a rush play I can't blame him because he was about to get a five-second call. Maybe just throw, like, a rainbow shot. Let a play develop while, you know, the ball's in midair. That'd look cool. Didn't go for that, though. Understandably, and it, it ended up costing the Blue their, uh, their really gigantic winning streak. And now they are not number one or tied for first in the league. They are tied for second. There's still one team left that is only a one-loss team. And that's going to be the Erie Bayhawks. They are 8-1 and one right now. Blue are 7-2. and two. Same with the Delaware Bluecoats. So it makes it a little bit interesting. They lost their gigantic padding because if they just kept winning, they needed to win maybe like 2-3 more. And they probably would have been a lock for the playoffs. There are a lot of teams that are hovering around this 500 mark right now. And it's a little bit scary. I mean, 9 games through, you see a lot of 5-4 and four squads. Four and five squads that are left on the outside. One of those is the Greenboro uh, Swarm. They, they look great, though. So, I don't know. You know, hopefully this is just a fluke game. I mean, there's been a couple of nail-biters lately that they've been able to pull out. 
couldn't figure their their way out of this one sadly though and yeah i mean now seven and two pretty solid you definitely did not want to be at that state though just going over some of the better players from this game i mean moses brown amazing again 26 points 17 rebounds probably had his toughest matchup so far with nick richards he's kind of a uh, certified veteran at the five spot seven feet tall he had five blocks on the blue squad and it was like all i think four of them came in the yeah four of them came in the second quarter and the final one was in like the like the last seconds okc they were up two or something and there was just this gigantic loose ball alexi pokachevsky got it and he had a clear path to the lane or not even the lane actually he had a wide open pull up and no one poku he always goes for pull-ups he wanted to go for a finger roll over two people so he got through the first guy and then you know you run into nick richards and he swats it in the second row of the stands so i don't know not that amazing when it came to that i thought brown did a nice job though still trying to convert on shots 11 of 19 for him and omer you're at seven he didn't have to deal with nick richards so he had 17 points and 10 rebounds in just 20 minutes and you also had some great guard play with ty jerome and rob edwards they both had 14 points a piece so still a lot of positives i mean they got super hot in those second and third quarters but then he just gave it up and kind of seemed lifeless at the end greensboro got that three they were leaning on it heavily the whole night and yeah got it to go and that's how they got their win so on to the next game they're going to be going up against a better squad one of their best teams they faced all season they're going up against the austin spurs on thursday they're six and three blue seven and two this probably will have some sort of playoff playoff implications because that tiebreaker will matter when it comes to seeding and i know there's no home court advantage or whatever but you always want to be the higher seeds in these situations so you know if it comes down to a situation where blue and the the spurs happen to be tied kind of a coin flip it's going to mean a lot so you, you definitely need to win this one same goes with the rest of their week. I think they played the Delaware Bluecoats in that span as well as the Bayhawks. So they got all the easy games out the way. Now they need to go up against the top level of competition. They can reign victorious. They're going to look really great heading into the playoffs. One team that looked amazing on Wednesday night, it was just the Oklahoma City Thunder, man. I mean, they were facing a San Antonio team who... In all honesty, they don't really have that many guys active. They had seven people on the COVID protocol list, so they had to pull all their G League assignees back up. Trey Jones and Lucas Samanich had to come up, so maybe that helps the blue. Anyways, they need to come just to meet the requirement of players for this game. And it's pretty interesting, too, because they actually gave Luca a start here. That's his first career start. Anyways, they were down pretty bad, though. They didn't have DeMar DeRozan, didn't have Keldon Johnson either, didn't have Derek White. You can just keep run down the list. They didn't have uh, Rudy Gay or Devin Vassell. I think those are the main takeaways I had. So I think they had most of their guards. It was really just LaMarcus Aldridge, DeJounte Murray, Lonnie Walker, Mills, sprinkling some other guys. You know what I'm saying? And... I mean, this was a tight, tight contest. There were 13 lead changes in this game. But the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were able to pull it out 102 
to 99. In the first parts of the game, it was just kind of trading off run after run. I know in the first quarter, it was really a Shea Gilgis Alexander show. He pitched in a ton of points to orchestrate a 14 to 2 run, and they hit six threes in the first. So that got him up 28 to 22. But then their bench unit in the second quarter, they had Diallo out there, Kenneth Williams, Justin Jackson, Roby and Muscala. It seemed to have worked in the past, but it didn't work with the Spurs. They actually got killed. I mean, it was an 11-2 Spurs run. They were trying to take this lead right back, and they happened to do so. That was about the only offensive showcase we saw from like either side in the second. Just 36 points combined for both. And Spurs, they outscored the Thunder 24-12, to which looks amazing. However, the efficiency really doesn't pop off the page for me. I'm not going to look at 24 points and be like, oh my gosh, they, they played so great. Show the point differential? Maybe. However, they shot 8 of 22 for the second. Oklahoma City, they shot 5 of 18, so both not even close to getting the uh, 50% mark or just a kind of respectable number. I think both them were below the 40s. I think the Spurs were in the 40s and OKC, they probably were in the 20s right there. So it's pretty, pretty ugly. Shea Gilgis-Alexander, though, he had half of those 12 points for the Thunder. So it was clear that SGA kind of was the one just carrying this team around, did it in the first, does it in the second, does it again in the third quarter he goes off 21 points on five of five shooting three of those were from downtown keep in mind and he got to the line nine times making eight of those nobody could stop him when he was driving inside and they were trying to swarm him sometimes i believe they were just heavily going after um these high pick and rolls here and it ends up working because hey they're down a lot of guys. They don't have Rudy Gay to sub in. You got a super tired LaMarcus Aldridge. You have Jakob Pertle, who is not ready to be chasing down Shea Gilgis-Alexander. You have, you know, these tiny guards who cannot get around the Al Horford screens, at least not amazingly. DeJounte Murray's all right, but, you know, I'm picking Horford over Patty Mills pretty much every single time. Same goes with Trey Jones, too. So they were just abusing that, going in. Typically got the one-on-one when it wasn't there. You know, he tried kicking out. He had three assists. But, I mean, sometimes he just wanted to shoot it. And the refs need to credit you when you're getting just brawled by two different guys. So, yeah, get to the line. Get your points. Really just ended up saving them in that quarter. They were up 76-73 to entering quarter number four. And there wasn't a more fitting way to end it than this. It came off of a... Shea Gilgis Alexander layup right as the clock expired so I thought that was great and I mean he actually had a career high by the end of the third I think there was three minutes left in the third quarter by the time he had 34 points already so San Antonio could not stop him he made a statement right after he was snubbed of the all-star game twice twice see it in the normal reserve list they give Booker the edge over Shea Gilgis-Alexander? Like, are you serious, man? Anyways, in the fourth, he still was not done. It took a little bit, though, because the Spurs, they jumped right back in. They had that beautiful run from the second unit, 
in quarter number two. Did it again on an 11-0 run. And they were just using a lot of OKC turnovers. They were coughing it up way too much and just got them the shots they needed. So they were up eight points pretty early. But, you know, you can't rule out the OKC Thunder. They always have some sort of run to get right back at you. And that's exactly what they did. Maladon and Muscala, they paired up some triples. You cut that to just two points. And then Shea Gilgis-Alexander checks back into the game. Full throttle. Four points in a row for the OKC Thunder. And then you get Lou Dort involved with a three ball. Give me that lead right back. Are you serious? That's a seven point lead off of all the stuff that was going on for them with three minutes remaining now san antonio they also weren't done they went on a 5-2 run just a two-point thunder lead with one minute left and sga he set up another isolation he was trying to drive in and he ended up finding lou dort wide open for a left wing triple now this is where i'm talking about the spurs they they had nothing they could not stop sga for the life of them so they're going to let Dort open, even though he just hit a triple. He catches it. It's like halfway down, but it just barely squeaks out. So the Spurs, they get it. Lonnie Walker is just coasting in transition. It's so broken down. Gives him just a wide open layup. So you get the game tied with 29.9 seconds. And Shea was not done, folks. He wanted to get the kill shot on these guys. So he was waiting around the perimeter. Gives you the signature step back three. It hits back iron. So San Antonio, they get one more chance with 10.7 seconds left. Seemed like this one was going to go into overtime. Or there, were gonna, there was going to be a miraculous spur shot. Patty Mills was the one who got the, um, the opportunity to score. A little bit surprised they went to him. But anyways, he got a nice screen from LaMarcus Aldridge around the right wing so he was he was trying to go over there um ends up kind of getting stuck around the hash mark i'd say and then he ends up double dribbling so he puts his hand on the ball tries to change direction i think he was either looking to shoot it and then he realized oh crap i'm really contested right now that second thought killed him so thunder had another chance with 3.9 seconds mark dagnall you call the timeout advance it and this is what happened. Listen to this. Initiating. Getting it into Horford. Horford catches. Kicks. Dort for the win. It's good. And Lou Dort ends it. And the mob converges. The officials saying, don't leave the floor yet. And let's make sure it's official. And by my naked eye, it looked good. And what a play drawn up. So as you guys could clearly hear right there, just an absolute dagger from Lou Dor. Everyone was going absolutely nuts. Just kind of breaking down what happened in this play. SGA, he had the inbound 
on the sideline. I think it was the left hash, and he threw it over to Al Horford. Al Horford had Jakob Pertle all over him, but he got positioning on him. He catches the ball. He, like, gives a little spin off of him. He has a shot to the lane, you know, because he's got Pertle on his left side now. And because of that, Patty Mills, he went from his position in the right corner to go help out because he thought Horford would beat Pertle to the basket, and that would be an easy layup. Al Horford, he decides to kick it out to Lou Dort, and as you guys heard, I mean, he just got it to go. He falls down right as the shot goes in, and he just gets dogpiled by literally everyone. It was great. I mean, after the game, that's what everyone was asking about, like, just describing that moment. He said that it just, it felt great, and, you know, after, after the ball came out of his hand, he knew it was already good. He just said he was staring at the ball the whole time. You know, you can feel it off the fingertips sometimes. It was kind of one of those moments for him. And, you know, after falling down, after the shot goes in, everyone jumping on top of him. All he could say about it, I mean, he said they were all yelling in his face. Pretty obvious here. I think he mentioned Darius Baisley, too. He had a rough night. He was like 0 of 8. But, hey, he got his moment in right there, cheering on one of his guys. And that's what I love about this team and just the culture. You know, you have a crappy night, but who cares, man? Just celebrate the moment. That's exactly what they did. Lou Dort, it was his game. I'd say that was his moment. Probably SGA's game, if that makes sense, because what I'm going to go into uh, in a little bit. But yeah, for Dort, that was his first career game winner, like ever. He's never made a game winner at any level up until last night. So that is kind of ridiculous to fathom. He said that his teammates, they just kept telling him to shoot the ball. Got to stay locked in. Got to knock him down when I'm open. He was open there, and he knocked it down when everything was on the line. So, absolutely impeccable from him. I mean, the play that, you know, was drawn up, it was not actually meant to have Dort involved at all. He was just supposed to be a corner sitter. It was a two-man game with SGA and Al Horford originally. So, you had... All five guys, really. Well, I guess you have SGA inbounding. Other three guys are just spread out in the uh, perimeter. So you got someone sitting in the left corner. You got Dort in the right corner. And you got someone sitting um, around the top of the key to the right wing. And then you got Horford at the free throw line. So Horford gets it. I'm assuming the plan was that SGA would try to wrap around and sneak by to get some sort of pass off. It didn't end up working, though, because, I mean, man was on a career night, so clearly Greg Popovich didn't want to use him. This was not a decoy play. This is something that I think the uh, Fox Sports crew were thinking, like, maybe this play wasn't designed for him at all. Mark Dagnall clarified it was, and, I mean, hey, you take what you can get right there. Great pass by Al Horford. Amazing uh, amazing timing by Lou Dort here. I mean, you always got to be ready for those moments. It wasn't originally drawn up. You get those interpretation plays all the time, and you just need to get the shot to go in. So it's amazing to see him, a guy who has kind of just been going through it. Like, he's had the ups and downs this year, especially from the perimeter, getting a shot to go with this sort of magnitude on it. So maybe he can build off of this for the future games that he plays I mean just a great moment for him it's been long overdue uh everyone was flipping out even just typical social media you know teams or not teams just 
like the ESPNs of the world, they don't want to tell you about the OKC Thunder. They just don't. And they had to last night. That's a victory. And it's because the moment was so great. I think Al Horford mentioned it was like a March Madness shot almost. Like the atmosphere was wild. A lot of energy going through the building. You know, everyone's just stacking on that dog pile. Laughing, so. Yeah, amazing from him. I mean, he finished the game with a total of 16 points. But yeah, I can assure you that that one probably was a little bit more special to him. SGA, I mean, he had a special night too because he gets his career high with 42 points. 13 of 20 from the field. Also had 8 rebounds and 4 assists. Could not be stopped when it came to driving inside. He had 14 points in the paint. So 7 main layups. I think one of those layups he was like in the post with um, Jakob Pertl, I think. And he just spun around him and used, you know, the the reverse to his advantage. Like, Pertl can't swat through the rim to stuff anything. So he used that kind of as like a blockade, as a teammate almost, to get the shot to go. And he's done that multiple times this season, actually. This was not the first time that he's gone in the reverse to try to generate some sort of security, I would like to say. And even like when he was going in, as I said, the free throws were just there for him the entirety of the game. Ended up finishing with 11 attempts, hitting 10 of those. The Spurs, they only made 10 free throws at all. They attempted 15, but they just matched SGA's total of made free throws. And that is, that's ridiculous. That's something that you see from a fully fledged star. So I don't know. He, He just went off and even from downtown, he was unstoppable, and that's kind of the secret card that he's been going to lately to generate so many points because I think teams have kind of just got this perception of him that he is just a super great penetrator, and then outside of that, I mean, the shot is sometimes there, but it's a very weird shot, and you'd imagine you can contest it. You can't contest it. The step back is at an elite level. Shot 6 of 11 from beyond the arc, so he did better from there. Then in the paint and from the line. That's kind of the stat that really sticks out to me here. And when he gets it going, that's where teams sort of find themselves in trouble. He said that it puts the defense in a bind. You can't agree with him anymore. Said he's worked on his three tremendously throughout the offseason, early parts of the regular season. Really nice seeing him just uh, show off those skills. And hell, I mean... 42 points, he said that, you know, he was just taking it as any other game. It didn't matter that he got snubbed or anything. And he even mentioned, like, he didn't even know how many points he had until teammates told him about it. Like, he wasn't even worrying about it. He was just playing like usual. They're like, yo, you got a career high. Didn't even think about going for 50. I think Mark Dagnalt said, yeah, he could have gone for 50, but he was just a great leader down this stretch doing every right move. So, you know, he didn't get that that singular accolade, but I think the win, honestly, in his mind, probably is better than that. And for a 22-year-old to have a mindset such as that, that is literally elite. That is somebody that you can use long-term. When they don't put their success over the teams, you know you have a good one. And Shea Gilgis-Alexander, is only on the up and up now. You know, if he keeps it going from three, teams need to watch out. And once you surround him 
with even more shooters. You got all these draft picks, all these potential assets. You could get a cornerstone out of Shea Gilgis Alexander. So you should all be for it. Al Horford, he also is solid too. He's one of the only other guys who had double double figures here. Only Dort, SGA, and him had that. He had 16 points on 7 of 16 shooting. Really, his main role was setting things up for Shea to begin because the high pick and roll has been a savior. Going on that, screwing up matchups for everybody really helps out. And when you get Shea an open floor, it's really dangerous. So I love how he was doing that. I mean, from three, he wasn't all that amazing. He just shot two of six from there. But it's nice to know that he was sitting around the perimeter. That's kind of what backs it up. And because of that, you know, you can't have two guys going on SGA all the time because then someone's going to get a wide open triple on the other end. And, you know, when they did bet, it screwed them over big time because Thunder shot 41% from beyond the arc in this game. Also, weren't afraid to pass. Got 21 assists. Keep the streak alive just barely again. This is coming off a 20 assist game. So they just keep checking off uh, like at the very end and you're good to go. So that was cool. Think otherwise from like outside the big three. Nothing too wild. The next leading scorer only had seven points. And that was in Mike Muscala. Only shot three of eight. One of five from downtown. Maladone, he was a little off. One of five, one of four from downtown. Played 35 minutes to go along with it. And as I said, Darius Baisley, a little bit of a struggle with him. He just did not look involved for a good chunk of this game. You know, it's hard to tell. Like, he likes to be assertive. And then there's other times where the dude doesn't want anything to do with the basketball this was one of the games where he didn't want to do anything with the ball when he was forced into it he just did not seem like he was in any sort of sync I think he ended up like airballing a couple of shots but yeah rough for him glad he was able to get 10 rebounds to go along with it I actually have him in my points league and I think he got negative two so without those two or yeah without those 10 rebounds I would have been in a little world of hurt there. So I'm glad he kind of brought himself back. I think, you know, he should be able to bounce back sooner rather than later. I liked Kenrich Williams too. I mean, he only played 18 minutes, only three points. But that rebounding really ends up saving you. He's able to get you five rebounds in that span, as well as just being a defensive guy that you can lean on. So loved him. Roby, he was pretty good too. He only played 17 minutes, but he got two steals and a block. Now, Hamadou Diallo, he also played around that same margin. He had just 11 minutes. However, he got hurt. So he got removed from the game for the uh, final quarter or so. He's going to get evaluated. I'm assuming it's a day-to-day, which means that you know, you're going to have another void here does maladone just play a crap ton of minutes does kenrich williams assume a gigantic role again i wouldn't mind that maybe you can dig into some of the g league guys as well if you'd want to i don't know exactly if they want to open that can of worms because they are playing that well but it's always an option i don't know the severity though i think if it's only a couple games maybe 
you know, you may just leave everyone intact for the blue, but hey, maybe Presti likes one of those guys down there. I think at the shooting guard position, they're absolutely stacked. Even at the one, two, you got Xavier Simpson, you have Ty Jerome, Rob Edwards. I don't know how it works now. I know that back before like the two-way contract was introduced, anyone could get called up. Maybe it's different. Maybe you have to be on a two-way or just on the primary squad to get moved, but I'd want to see Rob Edwards. I think his blend of shooting would just be so amazing. Ty Jerome, he's looked all right. You can spot him in there too. Maybe that's what you're looking at. Anyways, they're going to have to open that can of worms uh, afterwards, just get his... Uh, get his status back and kind of work on things from there but great game just straight up game of the year the fact that they were able to pull it through despite a lot of players kind of struggling you're able to get the superstar performance out of Shea Gilgis Alexander that we have seen before but never to this degree without him this would have been a blowout for the Spurs and they still didn't even have their best players with them so that's pretty wild and then even with Dortman finally coming into his own maybe this shot really sets him back on this track where he's out shooting pretty much everyone in the league like he's back to Trey Young sort of numbers here so amazing amazing stuff the OKC Thunder they are going to be playing their next game on Friday against Trey Young what do you know gonna be playing the 14 and 18 Atlanta Hawks Thunder 13 and 19 now i believe that they are the 12th seed in the conference so could be cool we'll see how exactly the seedings will shape up because it is getting a little jammed from the 12 to 14 spots but all for it can't wait to bring you guys that episode same goes with the okc blue game sorry i didn't go into crazy detail this game was just pretty wild so i felt like i needed to almost make this a separate podcast of its own Make sure to check out the website, guys. I do a lot more than just what I do on the podcast here. I do, like, opinionated articles. Should the Thunder pick up this guy? Should they trade for this guy? Give you the news before everything I do on here. So, yeah. I mean, if you guys would drop that a follow or check that out, be much appreciated. Kyle Singler for MVP.com is where you'd be checking that out. Other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's podcast. I thank you all for listening, and I'll talk to you all next time. See ya.